Today, I have the opportunity of introducing our speaker today. Um, he is one of my favorite people ever. I can tell you the first time I ever met him, I was uh, in middle school at Christian Life School. He was doing a chapel service there, and all I remember is that he had a ton of energy, he was funny, and that he really loved Jesus. That, that's what I remember. And, and so uh, this guy, he's been able to invest into my faith. He's been able to inspire my faith. And I hope that he can inspire and encourage your faith today as well. Uh, and, and so today, let me just honor uh, Osmar Aguilar. Why don't you give it up for him? Uh, he is the man, the myth, the legend. He's so sweet. Here you are. He's so sweet, isn't he? <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Praise the Lord. Yes, we're here to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Our Lord Jesus. Something very special happens when the body of Christ comes together. This very day, all across the United States and the world, there are some defining moments happening in the lives of a lot of people. People are hearing the good news of Jesus. The good news of the gospel. And there is no greater, no greater message, no greater uh, content that we can share with folks and be a part of than the gospel. And, or I should say the, the living gospel of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So what is happening this morning is very special. And uh, I don't take it for granted. I want you to know that I've prepared for this morning prayerfully. And uh, trust me, I was challenged as I was putting together the, the plan for this morning for my message. And, uh, the, you know, <laughs> how the Holy Spirit is. If, when you prepare for a message, the Holy Spirit just presses on you, right? And, and you cannot help but have conviction of heart, right? I, I hope that happens when you read the word of God, when you get, when you open this precious living holy book, it's that you sense the presence of God. You, it's kind of like what Henry Blackaby says is one of my favorite authors and writers. Uh, he says, when I open the Bible, it's as if I am looking into the face of God himself. And so... Also, that's part of this defining moment that I'm talking about when we come together as the, as the body of Christ is that we look at God's word, his precious word, his love letter. We're going to talk about that in a little bit here, but I am so thankful to being here. I, every time I come to the tabernacle, I feel right at home. Just want you to know that. I see so many familiar faces and so many friends and your church, I want you to know, has been a pillar of encouragement, a pillar of strength, a pillar of uh, joy for this ministry that I lead named Youth for Christ. It's, it's uh, hard to believe that it's been 18 years now since I answered the call of God to develop Youth for Christ here in Kenosha and beyond. And um, it, I counted a, a real joy. And so I would like to share some numbers with you, okay? So uh, the numbers that I'm going to share, uh, they reflect what has been going on uh, beginning July 1st of 2019 and ending on December 31st of 2019. 
So there's six months worth of ministry there. And in those six months, we engaged with and connected with 1,146 kids to the glory of God. Okay? A couple of hundred of those are uh, from Kenosha itself. Because we are a regional ministry reaching young people with the gospel of Jesus. And these are lost kids. We are a part of defining moments in the lives of young people. Like crazy. And so 675 kids were engaged in conversational relationships. Meaning meaning that uh, we sit down with them and we ask them questions. And we say, hey, how is life going? What's, uh, what's God? Is God in your life? Do you belong to a church? And so in those conversations, we discovered 503 of them don't know Jesus and don't have any affiliation to any church. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? Praise be to God that he's placed us in the lives of those 503 lost kids. Okay, now continuing on with our numbers here. Here's where it gets really, really awesome and exciting. 59 kids made first-time decisions to give their lives to Jesus, to the glory of God. 30 of them are being discipled, and 23 are already involved in a local church, and 10 of them are themselves sharing Jesus with their friends. So that's the cycle that we want. And you, in, and you may say, wow, Osmar, that's... In comparison to the 1,146 kids that we're engaging with, that's a pretty low number. And I say to you, yes, it is. We have our work cut out for us. We need more volunteers. There's three ways that you can become involved with Youth for Christ. So, And I'm going to encourage you to, after the service, to stop at our table out there and pick up a brochure and stop and, and talk to us about how God may be calling you to become involved in this ministry. Because we do have room for you in three ways. As a prayer partner, as a volunteer, impacting the lives of kids, and as a giver. And so, speaking of giving, your church has been, you as a body, committed to give so that we can reach kids with the good news of Jesus. And so... Uh, I am I'm privileged to work hand-in-hand, uh, hand, shoulder-to-shoulder with Nick Hubing, who is our director, ministry director. If you, if you did not know that, Nick Hubing is the commander-in-chief of the ministry team, okay? Everybody that goes to the juvenile detention center, everybody that goes to the schools, everybody that engages with parenting teenagers out there, okay, Nick is commanding that team, okay, and, and he's shoving me out of the way, okay, Osmar, I got this, right, but nothing compares, and it, just a demonstration of how you are impacting the lives of young people next to us. Recently, we had a bowling event at the Thompsons here in Kenosha, we, we got together for a fun time, and at the very end of the day, Okay, we had a testimony being shared. And your very own Mitchell Johnson. Mitchell, are you here? Where are you? Oh, there you are. I can't see because it's light. 
How can I miss that face? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. There he is. <laughs> Mitchell Johnson is one of our volunteers. Mitchell is ministering to kids at Harborside Academy. Mitchell brought uh, Brent with him on that day. And Brent shared on how God has impacted his life through Mitchell. And, and I just want to say this. I know, I know grandma is here, okay, grandma and grandpa, and, uh, or grandparents. Uh, if Mitchell, if God can use Mitchell, <laughs> no, don't leave. Don't leave, son. I love you, Mitchell. You're the best. <laughs> if God can use me, <laughs> Uh, God can use anyone, amen? No matter how old you are, we need you. We need your involvement. So please stop by the table and uh, uh, take some of our information. Maybe God will inspire you to come next to us in this quest, in this battle for reaching the souls of lost kids throughout southeastern Wisconsin, amen? So thank you. That's our report uh, I want to move into the, the portion of uh, sharing the word of God. And if you don't mind, let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we open your word, speak to us. Father, I, that's our expectation this morning. Speak to us, Lord. We need you to we need to hear your voice. We're thankful for your presence, God. We're thankful that you've brought us here together as a family to Father to hear your commanding orders, Father. And I thank you. I count it a privilege, Lord, that I be used to bring your message to the body of Christ this morning. So, Father, we love you and praise you, Jesus. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you have been doing a study uh, in a series in the book of uh, Philippians. And so today, let me encourage you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we are going to read from uh, verse 12 to verse 21. Uh, but I realize that in, in order to have, for us to have context of what Paul the Apostle is telling us in Philippians, um, in this book, uh, we need to read a portion of Scripture before uh, we get into verse 12. So Paul is, is saying uh, to the believers in Philippians, in the church of Philippi, he says, I want you to know Christ, I want, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, picking it up in verse 12, uh, Paul the Apostle says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of, what, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize 
for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. John, with others, in following my example, uh, I'm sorry, join, not John. I, my glasses are just too foggy here. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say it again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. Man, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of content in it. And I, I debated within my heart. You know, like I was saying earlier, the Holy Spirit is pressing on me and pressing on me. And what, I, what the message should be this morning. And so the focus of the message is going to be in a very short portion of all that that I read. And that's found in the 15th verse of this chapter. 3.15. Where it says, all of us then who are mature. All of us who are mature. I'm going to stop right there. God's expectation of us is that we grow in righteousness, in holiness, and true to his word and will. That's God's expectation of his children. So, I am going to confess to you this morning. I'm going to be very transparent with you. I'm going to put my, myself on the hot chair. Okay? It wasn't just about two weeks ago or so that we were sitting just like any other American household. I'm sitting in my in my. Uh, living room watching the Super Bowl. How many here watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. And uh, just like, you know, I'm texting with my cousins and texting with my brother-in-law because we're football fans and we enjoy the, the game. And uh, so, you know, I'm watching the game. And then the halftime show came. Oh, and so i because of your chuckling about that, I know what's coming, right? You're like, oh, 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 oh. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm you know, I already knew that J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, and Shakira, okay? In the Spanish circles, we call that lady Shakira. You have to say it with flair if you're Hispanic, like moi, okay? <laughs> so I, I knew 
what was coming. I knew what was coming. I wasn't oblivious to it. So I, like a prophet, Deidre sitting right here. She's watching the game with me. We're just the two of us. We decided not to go to no Super Bowl party this time. We just stayed home and enjoyed the game together. I'm telling her what's coming. And as the show, the halftime show went on, and I'm predicting what's coming, I look over, and there is Deidre looking at me with, with indignation, like, excuse me? And I'm like, I, you know, how, it's like sometimes guys, men will understand this. Some, if you have a praying wife, okay, if you have a wife that follows Jesus with all her heart and loves Jesus, sometimes they can be like the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Conviction of heart took place at that moment, but the halftime show already ended by the time, you know, and I'm, I'm like, okay, that was at Deidre's, uh, that was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I'm, I, unbelievable. So, Later on that night, the game went on, the game ended. Later on that night, I, I went to check my uh, Facebook uh, page. And uh, just like, you know, a normal person, I'm, I'm checking my Facebook page. And to, not to my surprise, <laughs> the debate started. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my goodness. So, at one end of the spectrum was my friends who are Christians, okay, on my wall, they're making the comments like, oh, my God, that was such an amazing halftime show. Ooh. And the Boricua flag was waving. <laughs> yeah, some of you don't know Boricua flag. That's a Puerto Rican thing, you know. That, that The flag of Puerto Rico at one time was, you know, displayed. And then the other side was saying, Christian friends, that is unbelievable. Don't people know that children are watching? And I mean, you're glamorizing strip clubs. And I mean, it, the, the discussion went on and on. And I'm going, these are Christian people that are going. <laughs> and then they're starting to throw. You know what I'm talking about? Darts at each other. It doesn't surprise me that the world will portray women or there will be that kind of activity in a halftime show with J-Lo and Shakira. doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise any of us that the world is out there sinning. That's what the world is doing. It's supposed to be doing. But we as the body of Christ need to be, use our, our discernment, okay? And stop and think about the renewing of our minds and what God is, expects of us. To grow in our maturity towards righteousness and holiness. Amen? And so spiritual maturity is something that for many Christians is either... Elusive or beyond their grasp to attain. Part of the problem lies in our worldly thoughts. 
And I, I'll be honest with you. Worldly thoughts, they always come. You know what I'm talking about? They always come. Words and deeds that portray that while the power of sin to rule over us has been crucified with Christ, we have chosen to allow our old nature to continue to be our master. And that happens to a lot of Christians, to a lot of Christ-following people. We are supposed to forget what is behind, put those things behind us, and allow the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus to be our master. And so, even if one could clearly see and confess the planks in our own eyes, this still leaves one with an even bigger problem. How does one, us, how do we define and strive to become spiritually mature in Christ Jesus? If one is able to become a living sacrifice, think with the mind of Christ, reject the ways of this world, and obey his word, while at the same time carrying the burdens of others, does this mean that we have attained spiritual maturity? And so, you know, this, the list can, we can put together a list of comprehensive things that will help us attain God's standard of holiness. And so the word that I have for us this morning is all about spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity is possible. Amen? It is possible. But it's possible for those who deny self and relentlessly pursue he who is the definer and source of holiness. So, it, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus and what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. And so this word is a word of encouragement for us. That that is what we need to do. So the first thing that I want to share, and the first thing that we need to do, the first point, is that in order for us to attain holiness and be set apart, we need to pray for divine aid. We need to be people of prayer. And that's the first point of this message. Pray for divine aid. Continually pray. Not only is our salvation dependent on God, but so is our sanctification. Attaining spiritual maturity means we need to draw near to God. As he will draw near to us. Is to meet him. Meet with him. Every day. Meet him, meet him in the middle. To obey his good and perfect will. So the first step in becoming spiritually mature. Is to pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that. Pray continually. 
pray to God that he may mold and shape into his holy image. I remember when I was a kid, I, I grew up very religious. I grew up in, in Latin America, in Honduras. And I remember when I was an altar boy, I think you probably, some of you have heard me say this before. Yes, I was an altar boy. I wore ruffles. Okay, I ate at the Padre with, you know, mass and all of that. But I remember me thinking, when I walked into the chapel, there was certain, you know, um, liturgical uh, things that I had to do. You know, touch the water, you know, do the, the, the sign of the cross, and, and be in reverence of being in the, in the chapel, in the presence of God. And, and I'm looking at this, the, you know, the, the, the emblems and the statues and, and, and all of that. And walking in, and I'm going... Uh, I'm thinking to myself, I, I remember thinking, I haven't been to confession in a long time. <laughs> I have, I've not been to confession, and I'm feeling guilty about it. And that's all, and you know, it is good to have that conviction of heart. But we have, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have access to the throne of God. And we can go before him and pray and, and kneel down before him right there in our living room and ask for forgiveness of sin. So pray continually is one of the things that I encourage us this morning. Praying for the divine aid from Jesus. Amen. It's not good that we can access the Holy the holy of holies at any time because we belong to him. We've been sealed with the love of Jesus. The second point that I want to bring up uh, in order to attain spiritual maturity, holiness, and sanctification is no, we need to be people of the word. We need to be people of the Bible. Amen? And so I remember um, one day I had this uh, NIV Bible. It was my first Bible. And uh, it was marked up uh, in the margins. I had notes. I had uh, highlighted. I had underlined. It was, my, it was my sword, man. I never got away from this Bible. It was, <laughs> I felt... I felt I was incomplete when I walked around without this thing. I was a brand new Christian. And for years I had this thing. And it looked really wore out. Okay. But I loved it. It was my Bible. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, I can relate to this. And one day uh, we went to pray at the altar. Okay. Kind of like here. And I left my Bible sitting in the pew. And some scoundrel. Good for nothing. You, you remember this? Came and took it. They stole. They stole it. And I, I mean, I was, I felt naked. Don't think, yeah, don't get any picture. Any, I did. I felt like I was lost. I felt like somebody ripped the heart right out of me. And I was like, it was so, I was so bummed out because, you know, 
what, so why? Why was I so sad to have lost my Bible? Never, never found it. And uh, I got a degree, I believe you bought me a brand new Bible not long after that. And, uh, but I, it was like, thank you, but I still want my Bible. I, you know, but why? Because in the Word is in that particular Bible. And I'm still thinking about it. it. The benchmarks of holiness were contained in that Bible. You know what I'm talking about? Benchmarks of holiness. It's, it was right. A lot of understanding. A lot of my aha moments. Oh, my. <laughs> Adultery. Adultery. Check. Oh, God. Oh, uh, Jesus taking it another step. Oh, even if I look at a woman lustfully, I've committed adult. Oh, my gosh. Jesus up the ante at me. That was a benchmark. And guess what? I, there is fear in me. I'm just giving you one example of what the things that would take place when I read, of course, I have an NIV Bible here I've had for years, okay? It's the same word, praise God. And yeah, I have some markings in this one, but that one, that one, oh, I'm still jaded about it. It is through the word of God that one learns how to define both sin and holiness. Let me say that again. It is through the word of God that we learn how to define both sin and holiness. This is God's personal love letter to us. Everything that God gives us, everything that God does, comes from a heart of love. Because he loves us. Because he wants us to experience his grace and mercy. Uh, there were times as a kid when I entered that chapel where all the statues were in. I, and I've done wrong things, okay, kid stuff, okay. I thought that one day one of those dudes, it's standing and we call them saints, okay, will turn on me and zap me, okay, like, like Superman would, you know. Kind of like that. I mean, you as a kid, you think about those things. And those are valid thoughts. Okay? But I failed. I thought that God was there waiting, to, waiting for me to do something wrong and, and sin. And then he'll go, aha! I knew it! I got you, sucker. <laughs> well, God wouldn't say that. That's, that is in the minds of a lot of people. That's how they think about God. But this is God's personal love letter. And it has infinite value for us to show us how we can strive towards maturity. And how we can be set apart in the area of holiness. Amen. And the next point is, is the part about hope. Hope 
is an impossible but possible task. And here's where I'm going to go with this on it, okay? I want you to know this. And I have about 10 minutes yet. Right, Pastor Nick? Yes, he's saying, giving me the thumbs up. It is impossible to reach and attain spiritual maturity and holiness when you don't know Jesus. It's impossible. All of this that I've been preaching about really wouldn't make sense unless you know Christ and he is your personal Savior and Lord. And it's real. But the possible comes in when you surrender your life to Jesus and he becomes your Lord and Savior. Because something very special takes place. When we surrender our lives to our Savior and begin our walk with Christ, the Holy Spirit takes his indwelling in us. Isn't that awesome? And so, without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. But it is possible when we have the Holy Spirit with us, inside us. And so, we can confidently say, yes, we fit these conditions of holiness because I've surrendered my life to Christ and His Holy Spirit dwells in me. And I'm telling you, this is this whole thing about holiness, uh, it's a, it is a touchy subject for a lot of people. And, and what we need is to have an inner attitude of obedience and complete to surrender to Him. And so, one, you know, one of the examples that Jesus gave us in the Word was the rich young ruler. You, you guys remember that par parable? A rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him how, what he needs to do to attain salvation in the kingdom of God. And Jesus told him. Jesus said to him, uh, he said, what you need is to follow the commandments found in Scripture. And, and this rich young ruler replied, all these I have kept since I was a boy. But Jesus said, okay. He said, he challenged them. All right, then give everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. To which he couldn't follow. <laughs> he walked away from him. And so from this rich young ruler, we learn that spiritual maturity or holiness is possible only for those who surrender their will to he who is the only one who can mold and shape, shape us in the image of God. So in other words, I want to give you the picture of the potter and the clay. It's a simple illustration. I remember in the old days, we used to sing this song that when you are the potter and I am the clay, mold me and make me. This is what I pray. 
My prayer for us is that we will go from this place with an attitude of surrender to Jesus. That we will go from this place telling the master potter to mold us and shape us into the likeness of his son. Surrender to God is the key. Let me encourage all of us to surrender ourselves, to surrender our thoughts, to be mindful that he, that we need to take the attitude that Paul had. See, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Being like Jesus, that's what we should follow. And I know for some people that is so hard because some of you probably work and go to places every day and you work amongst people that are so far from the holiness is not even in their vocabulary. Other stuff isn't on their vocabulary. <laughs> and you are in the midst of it, people that don't even... Acknowledge the name of Jesus only if they're going to say something bad. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so this is where the renewing of our minds. This is where Romans 12 uh, says, In view of God's mercy, we are to offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Renewal of our minds. This does not mean that just external obe obedience to God, but also is for us to get in the word so that God can renew our minds on a daily basis. Amen. And so spiritual maturity does not mean that we are sinless. It does not mean that. When we fall short of God's glory, what are we to do? Confess our sins to God. Repent. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We read that in the Philippians earlier. Spiritual maturity is not about being sinless, but about being integrated around a single unifying desire to know and obey God's will. So let me challenge us this morning. Are we ready to surrender to Jesus this morning? Are we ready to surrender our thoughts? Are we ready to live in a place and think to ourselves? Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, and take, real, take heart of those things and take hold of them and not let go of them. Because that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to be examples. Now, that's why the work of Youth for Christ is so important. We are now walking around as a ministry, okay, pretending that kid, young people today, we are holier than thou, and they are the sinners that we're reaching. They are our projects. No. <laughs> there is sin in us. We're sinful, but you know what? With God's grace, let me tell you, Young people, about God's grace. God's, there's nothing that compares to God's grace. Amen? 
So, and the key to spiritual maturity is not trying harder, but denial of self and worldly goals that, you know, we might fully submit in our lives. I, I know that there's a lot of people that look at their goals and their dreams and they follow those things. And there is nothing wrong with that, absolutely. But what's most important is that we submit to the will of the Father. And so let, it, let me challenge us. That's our response this morning. To challenge us this morning. To live a life worthy of the calling that we have received from him. Amen. Let me encourage us to be people of the word. To be prayerful people. And, and to be a living sacrifice that that is holy and pleasing to him. So make a commitment to be in the word of God on a daily basis. And if you don't, then don't feel guilty because there is grace. Amen. There is grace. And then the other thing that I want to challenge us here is no one, no one in this world can attain holiness and spiritual maturity. By themselves. No one. So for the mere fact that you are here sitting in that chair this morning. The mere fact that you're here already. It shows God that you are striving. That you are thriving. That you are seeking. You are here not by accident. You're here, and, and if somebody made you be here, thank God for that person that made you be here. Amen? Thank God for that person. Thank God for people that say, hey, like my sister, I did not want to go to church with her. And she turned into a gremlin or some kind of a creature and pulled me by my shirt like this. Said, you're going to church with me, my precious Praise God for people that encourages us to be in the presence of Jesus with the body of Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Lord, my prayer this morning is that all of us live in that place, Father, that we are reaching for you. Reaching to your word every day, prayerfully. That we are seeking you with all of our hearts. Father, that we are people that are growing in spiritual maturity. And Father, that we are, are, are reaching a new level with you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin once again to do the work that you need to do in our lives. To mold us and shape us into the likeness of your son Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Josh, thank you very much. Thank you. Hold up, Osmar. I would just, uh, as a church family, I'd just like to pray for you, Osmar, before you go and for your ministry at Youth for Christ. And so if you guys could uh, just pray with me for Osmar. Oh, and, and we'll pray. Because he needs it more. He needs it more. <laughs> we'll pray for both of you. So uh, let's pray.
God, I just thank you so much for Nick and Osmar. God, that you use them in, in their ministry at Youth for Christ. And uh, even now, God, as a church, I just pray that you would use us to support them uh, as best as we can. Uh, God, that together as a church, we would see the kingdom of God grow, that we would join them in their ministry. And God, that they would just be blessed as they go forth doing your work. God, I pray for more volunteers, for more money. God, I pray that kids would be saved. And so, God, I just lift them up to you. God, as a church, help us to do our part, and we pray that you'd be glorified in this. Amen.